Ew. Welcome to our listeners and viewers from all around the world. We trust that you are as excited as us for episode one of the MindFit podcast. My name is Blaze Grinner. I will be your host today and I'm joined by my two business partners, Mr. David Andrews and Mr. Matthew Wickens. And we will be talking about what is MindFit? What is men's work? And why did the three of us join forces to take men on the longest journey of their life, which is out of their head and then into their hearts. Strap yourself in, you know this discussion is going to be a juicy one. Let's go. Well, 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 here we are. MindFit Podcast, our very first episode. My name is Blaze Gringer. I'm going to be very shortly introduce Maddie Wickens and David Andrews. And it sounds like the old cliche joke, what happened when a tradie, an accountant and a musician walked into the bar and we end up creating a men's movement and have our first podcast. And like I just mentioned, uh, this is a second um, moment because we've just been glitching out with the recordings and how to make this work seamlessly that uh, it feels like I'm losing my virginity for the first time and I feel nervous. Um, I hope you guys are going to be gentle with me. Um, and so without any further ado, I'd love to introduce uh, uh, the two men that are going to spearhead this amazing podcast and this mo- uh, MindFit movement. Uh, Maddie Wickens and David Andrews, brothers, it's uh, so beautiful to have this up and running and live and loaded, been a couple of months in the making, uh, but here we are, brothers. Hell yeah. Loving it. Very exciting times ahead. Looking forward to seeing where this goes, sharing some amazing stories, amazing insights, and I dare say more than a few very, very special guests as we move through this process as well. A hold of that. Super exciting. Long time coming, long time coming. Great to be here. Cool. So to start off, just want to give thanks and acknowledgement to the First Nations people. Uh, so I am currently calling in from Victoria. So I'd like to give thanks to past, present and emerging elders of the Nam people, the traditional lands of the Kulin Nation. Beautiful, Maddie. Uh, before um, I uh, talk about the Gubby Gubby people, uh, Dave and I here from the Sunshine Coast, um, for those that don't know, uh, the three of us are located in Australia. And so if you're over in America or in Europe, uh, the first people or the Aboriginal people of Australia, they looked after this beautiful country for 60,000 years before first settler, white settlers came here maybe three generations ago. Uh, so they're the traditional custodians of the land that we um, get to walk on and cherish and be blessed to be part of um, Australia, uh, but yeah, there was a, a beautiful uh, culture, an indigenous culture uh, that walked between the two worlds and got a really deep affinity with Australia and the country and the land and also their dream time. And so, um, yeah, for those that don't know, um, this is what we're doing right now is just acknowledging those people. And so within the Aboriginal tribes and culture, they call them mobs. And so there was mobs throughout all of Australia and they would pass all of their wisdom and they um, and their knowledge and their stories through the song lines, which were the the mountains and the ridges um, of our very beautiful vast country that we get to uh, live in. And so here on the uh, Sunshine Coast, where Dave and I uh, hail from, there's actually two two mobs: so the Gubby Gubby and then the Jindabara uh, mobs. And so um, yeah, just want to pay um, homage and just ask for the blessing for the the Gubby Gubby people of their elders, past, present, and emerging, just to give the blessing to this podcast and uh, for the the place that we get to call home. And so, uh, yeah, guys, hope that uh, throughout um, these podcasts and these series and all the guest speakers and 
uh, the more that we get deeply into the work that we do, you'll you'll see the deep reverence around culture. Um, and so culture is going to be, uh, I think, a beautiful through line that we get to talk about. Um, and so culture can mean uh, many different things uh, to many different people. And one of them is that culture for the Indigenous people, not just now of Australia, but also the world. Um, so, yeah, I hope. Oh, that could be a, a great lead-in, actually, Blaise. I know you've got a deep affinity with the Australian Indigenous culture, but also another country as well. So why not jump in and not to make today all about the three of us, but tell us a little bit about you spearheading this movement, spearheading this, this podcast and, and why we're here. Yeah, thank you, mate. Um, so I was actually born in New Zealand, for those that don't know. Uh, my mum is Māori, which means that I'm also Māori, uh, and moved to the Australian shores when I was four. And so uh, it was really interesting because I have, there's this innate wisdom within me that had this deep sense uh, of reverence for culture. And I was very fortunate at the age of 16 or 17, uh, represented uh, Queensland expats, uh, uh, New Zealand expats, and as a Queensland team, went back to New Zealand. And I got to tour the whole North Island for 30 days before we actually played uh, any football matches. And so the footy team was, uh, were all expats, and uh, myself and the, and the vice captain, I was captain of the team, were the two Pakeyas, which is the white Maldives. Everyone else was black. And so I got to hang out with some Kazis, man, which was just beautiful. And so we got to tour the whole North Island of New Zealand and we got to stay in Marais, which is the sacred ground and the traditional grounds in the New Zealand culture. So I got to really learn about like where my bloodline is from or mum's mum's side of the family bloodlines from. And I think that was, um, it really sparked something at a, at a young age within me. Um, but it took me about 12 years, maybe 15 years for that to come to fruition, which we'll get to. Um, so yeah, I'd love to ask both you men, being also white men here in Australia, uh, a little bit about um, your upbringing and, and what brought you uh, into life, into existence here in Australia. Right, definitely, and and Maddie, with me being the gentleman of the group, I'll uh, I'll certainly invite you to step in first there, take up the space. It's just about to say the same. Um, yeah, no, my uh, my upbringing was um, was really beautiful. Um, I had a, a loving mother and father and they gave me adequate attention and uh, dad was always the fun fun one of the group whereas mum was the really serious one and um, yeah I think our family dynamics worked really really well I've got one sister uh, and growing up we did not get along um, as all rivalries between siblings can be and um something really beautiful happened uh well let me reframe that something that shifted my life trajectory happened within the family but brought the entire family closer which was uh when my mom got sick with cancer and um where i want to bring all the, the focus to that is not in the the sadness or um the the trauma of that, but rather the beauty that comes from difficult times, difficult situations. And yeah, so growing up with with my sister and my father and my mum, moving through all the challenges that life threw at me, and then finding men's work. Um, I kind of laugh that it kind of found me in a way. Um, I was on tour in Tassie and 
I met this drummer who was part of a men's group up in Queensland, different from, from this one. And we got chatting and I started doing online stuff with him during COVID. And then all of a sudden he said that life was lifing for him and he had to get out um, of doing this uh, circle that he was running for free. And so he gave me uh, Blazer's details and then um, I jumped into MindFit Gym, what now, maybe nearly three years ago, I think it is. And um, as they say, the rest is history. Certainly haven't looked back, Maddie. It's been a real pleasure welcoming you into this space and into this journey. Uh, essentially, my story sort of mirrors your own. My background, we talk in terms of current generations and, and lineage, but lineage is as white as they come. So I can trace my ancestry <laughs> back through sort of first, first fleet and second fleet and white settlement and all that sort of thing under the, the shores of, of Sydney. So um, based now on the, on the Sunshine Coast, I'm a Sydney cider by birth. I grew up in a very loving household with every possible advantage and privilege that there, there was, so the benefits of the education system out here. And being able to now call myself a you know, very qualified and experienced guy in the business advisory space, moved all over the world with uh, the American Management Consulting Company a, a number of years ago. So through the, the US and China and Southeast Asia and NZ and, and all around the country here. So uh, met a lot of incredible people. Uh, I dare say you two right at the, the top of that, that tree and get onto that in, in a moment. But uh, family-wise, I've got a, a younger brother or my, my younger older brother, as I call him, sort of several inches taller than me, well-built, highly successful businessman, successful with every aspect of life and companies and women and family. Had that um, that kind of benchmark of that ideal stepping into and growing up, so that really pushed me along, hit a lot of successes and, and a lot of failures and then found myself uh, engaged professionally with Mr. Grinner here on the Sunshine Coast after recently having arrived. But directing a lot of people, because at that time, Blaze, you were getting into that space of advising men reshaping men and helping them to to get clear on what they wanted out of life i remember referring a number of people to you and then had a, a tap on the shoulder one day the a look in your eyes just said mate i think the person i need to be talking to is is you and that got us onto a discussion of men's work and, and where my life was heading so that might be an interesting topic to dive into now we've had a chance to introduce each other and, and have a, a chat to the world but what is men's work what what got you involved in this space blaze if you want to open up open up that channel i think we'll have a fantastic chat from there yeah it's a it's a interesting question because for those that don't know they don't know it's like when i people ask what i do i'm like i'm a men's coach like what the fuck's that <laughs> what, what what is men's work and so for the those that know the personal development world um so people know like tony robbins like the people when, you, when you're working on yourself and it's a like an inner journey of discovering uh, who you are at your core, um, developing yourself personally. And men's work is exactly that, but you remove the female gender. Now, why that's so important is because there's so many bravados, masks, walls that men hide behind, especially when there's women in there. Now, this beautiful uh, author, uh, Dr. Robert, uh, Rob, Robert Moore, I'm not sure if he's a doctor, um, but yeah, Robert Moore wrote a book, uh, No More Mr. Nice Guy. I was very privileged. I got to meet him on a, um, a masterclass series when I was with um, Press for Spiles and Man Cave. And he spoke about that 
what men in this generation, um, we can we we morph and mold into something to try and please and court a woman, and we don't stand true with our backbone um, and, and stay embodied about who we actually are. And so, yeah, re- removing that gender uh, is it it allows men like so much more depth to and safety to reveal more of themselves and, and discover more of themselves. And so that to me is men's work. Uh, why did I get into it? But man, it's a hell of a bit of string. Um, the, the, I'll give you the one minute version is there was a gentleman uh, that was very dear to me uh, when I was 22. He was at the age of 18. He attempted suicide, but slid both his wrists, got 26 stitches. And I didn't know if he was going to make it. He was 60 seconds away from bleeding out. I remember driving back to my country town I grew up in in Toowoomba, got to the bottom of the range, and my whole body shut down and collapsed. And I couldn't physically drive up the range. My partner, Tom, had to drive up. I was ringing the hospital asking if he was alive. And he, they wouldn't give me the information. They just wouldn't disclose that information. And then um, I just remember just thinking, man, if he's not with me, like, what, what am I going to do? And he survived, thank fuck. And then um, I remember helping him out because it was like really early in the morning, like two or three in the morning when he got home and I had to put two plastic bags over his arms and duct tape them up so he could have a shower. And I remember my mum saying to me that I had to be strong for this dude and I wasn't, I shouldn't show emotion. I had to be the, the rock for him. And so I stuffed that shit down, man. I, I stuffed all of that tears down. And I remember going out and back of the shed, back of the house and just crying on my own in the darkness. And so that was the big moment of um my spiral and by spiral it's just there was so much pain from that moment there's a couple of other tragedies that happened before my, my age of 22 but that was the biggest one that started me on this wayward journey of destruction and by destruction it was just to doing anything and everything to feel good drugs alcohol uh, prostitution um steroid abuse like Anything, everything I could do, do to numb out my pain. Um, but at the same time, I was, by the age of 24, became a former in the construction industry. So the external world thought I had everything fucking together. But the internal world, I was crying like I'd have benders in the weekend. And then on Sunday night, just be crying. I'm in bed by myself, just suck my thumb in a pit of this uh, depression. But they suck it up, go to work Monday, and no one knew, just kept masking it and trudging through. And it was through construction. They, it was a company, uh, mates in construction, had a suicide prevention company they call MIC. So I did their suicide alertness training um, and became a connector. And so because I was a foreman, um, I had this really beautiful um, gift that I was able to like just relate to men. And just re- it was really easy to talk to men. I had that knack of being always able to lead men with the footy and then the construction. So they would come to me with all of their problems and I would hold space for them and then direct them to a counsellor. And the age 27 had a spiritual awakening, redid this um, suicide alertness training and in that training is where everything snaps. All the stuff that was buried came to the surface and it me in tears and I mentioned that my brother had attempted suicide. So that's the man that I was talking about. And so... That's when um, I started asking bigger questions of myself. Like something had to change. I've got to stop masking all this pain and I've got to deal with this shit. And so, yeah, I started asking bigger questions of myself. What's my purpose on this planet? Um, 
And like, what, what am I supposed to be doing here? And then that's when the universe introduced me to my very first, one of my very first mentors who was Preston Smiles. And so that man, I shadowed for several years. We created a big men's movement. And that's where I found men's work. It's where I um, found like Jung's work of the archetypes of masculinity. And that's where I really started going like, this is, this is my path. Because up until that moment, there was, I, I felt incomplete. There was something missing. And it wasn't until my first men's circle where I got to see men just bear their all and face off with their demons and openly discuss that and no one put them down. They were more celebrated, the more transparent and vulnerable they were. I'm like, ah, this is that thing that I've been missing. This is that feeling of incompleteness. And I fell in love with that. Um, and then that's why now I dedicate my life to, to men's work. Um, got a, a beautiful fire within my belly that got lit when I was 22. Uh, any day that I forget about why I do what I do, I just remind myself of that that story. And so, yeah, man, thanks for that question. Um, and that was a long-winded answer. Um, but I'd also love uh, for you, gentlemen, too, the musician and the accountant, um, what does men's work mean to you? How did you get into men's work? I'll let you take this one, Dave. Yeah, no, I'd love to. Thanks, Matty. It's, uh, I'm going to have to work hard to drop that accountant label. I'll take it. I'll take it off you now. I'll take it off. Yeah. It's, a, it's an ex ex tradie, ex accountant. It was yeah. um, rather you. than a Scotsman, Irishman, and a Kiwi walking in into the. Yep. Yep. Which were uh, I think it's a, a much much more solid fit. So um, no, look, it's a very this language you've used there, which is really similar for me, and I think it's it's about the search. You know, I've, I've been blessed with a lot of success through my life, through business and family and other endeavors and consider myself a very supportive guy of other people's projects and helping them get to where they wanted to go. But I can remember so many nights finishing big deals, big projects, big dinners, massive nights out and all the rest of it. And seemingly from others, the reflection that I got was that my life was perfect. I had it all. Financially, reasonably well set up, you know, Great family, girlfriend leading into fiance, leading into wife, you know, gorgeous baby that arrived and followed by another two, but still feeling really empty at the at the end of that. So that there must be more to this than being locked in a cubicle in a city or stuck in an airport. Uh, the, the things that I was achieving just didn't seem to matter to me. And I found myself pursuing more and more aggressive things in life you know, through politics and through sporting channels and trying to find that win, that, that missing thing. And for me, it, it really wasn't until discovering this space and guys like you two and the other brothers that we have in this in this network that it was, yeah, here's the thing. It's a connection to community. It's an opportunity to be really honest, to face off with all those demons that, that are inside, uh, to celebrate the wins that I've had from a different, side of things and to help others get to where they're going in a, you know, a more holistic setting uh, yeah. to get to the truth of it all uh, I think yeah, that's been the, the big thing and truth is the, the carry through word for me beautiful that's beautiful man beautiful man yeah I think um, for me there's a, a very distinctive um, point in my life where everything kind of just got flipped and um, I was 19 and within the space of a year, 
I had um, three friends commit suicide and being in high school at the time and just, you know, I'll never forget coming into school and just that something was in the air, you know, and, and just everyone knew something was off and, um, and just seeing the ripple effect that that had on people and the impact that uh, someone can have that decision and, and not really know the true repercussions. And um, shortly after those um, tragic events, um, my mum got diagnosed with stage three cancer in both lungs and was told she had three months to live. She ended up lasting a um, fighting for an entire year and that was probably one of the most beautiful years of my life. Um, but yeah, I just remember similar to so many men that do find men's work of that search and that sense of lost and finding solace in the bottom of a bo bottle or in drugs, um, in sex, whatever it might be, whatever vice it might be. And there was one question that, that changed it all for me, and that was, well, if I can make sense of it, I can, um, I can use it as leverage. So what's going on in my head? What's, what's chemically going on? What's going on in my body that makes me feel this upset? Is it something I can put a name to or, or, or something to? And that led down a, a long road of um, self-discovery with uh, how the brain works and, and getting into that like neuroscience field and um, self-help and uh, yeah, people like Tony Robbins and all the, all the classics. And then eventually finding men's work and just falling in love with that self-development. And um, I mean, especially with men's work when it comes to this idea of being seen and being heard and allowing yourself to be vulnerable and uh, just get really raw with it. There's, there's something that's really healing with that. Um, so yeah, that's, that's really my journey of how I've landed here today. Thanks for sharing. Idea of you go, Dave. So no, I, I love that, Maddie. That comment around rawness and, and honesty. To, back on that reflection of truth that I had as well. And there's something about this space uh, that always lit me up. It was like that that example in Eminem's movie Eight Mile. You know, he gets up on that final final stage and basically just dumps shit on himself and okay. really goes there with everything that's gone wrong for him and the rest of the world just had to stand back and kind of go all right you know, i've got nothing you're prepared to go to that level and you really uncover what's what's going on for you behind the scenes and the numbers of men that we've worked with and have seen that are able to, to tap into that there's this beautiful thing on the other side of it which is so difficult to describe uh, but i think probably gets into purpose and direction and so it's a question i want to put on the table for you guys now what we're doing here you know why we're we here in this podcast in this setting having these sorts of conversations where is this going to go for our listeners into the future they're going to have to wait another few minutes because i'd like to take it a different direction and come back to that because i just want to talk 
to what you said about Eight Mile and he and how he just only stuff openly and vulnerably because I know there's a lot of men that are going to be listing right now that are new to men's work. They're new to working on themselves. And so I just want to offer some advice. I'm going to use what happened to me and my journey because it was fucking lonely and it got really, really abrupt, really, really fast. And so when I found personal development and I found men's work, I was going to these workshops and um, I had a really close-knit, um, tight uh, circle of friends and we were thick as thieves and we've been brothers since we're like 17 years old and super tight. Now, fast forward, I'm now like 32 years old, so that's 15 years, 16 years of friendship and bonds. And it was based off a very, I would say, macho bravado culture, the Aussie culture, drink culture, party hard, work hard, party harder, um, bros before hoes, that kind of that kind of mentality, which meant that I was living out of alignment with who I truly wanted to be as a man. Um, and I was doing things that I knew were against, like against my morals, cheating on women, uh, turning up to work drunk and under the influence of drugs, lying to mates' wives about where we were. And it was just really, we got to this point that it was, I, I needed to change. I needed to remove myself. Or I was outgrowing my mates. Now, what you said about Eight Mile, man, I remember I uh, went to this workshop and one of the processes was we all had to, uh, 80 people raise as much money as we could for a charity. So I reached out to who I thought my fucking best friends were and asked them, could they donate some money? And next thing, I, I, I didn't accept it. It literally hit me like a, like a king hit sucker punch. They sent messages back, fuck you and your cult behavior. And they just started pulling, like just attacking personal development attacking social media, attacking men's work and just putting me down. Uh, at this time, um, I just I just started uh, social media again. I had about a four, three to four year stint off social media because I was feeding my jealousy. That'll be for another podcast. Though they just came at me relentlessly on, on um, social media, attacking me. Everyone fucking knew who the real blaze was. Um, they, 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 um, they wouldn't be liking your videos. You're a fucking fraud and all of this arrows and venom. And it was just, it was so disheartening because I wanted to change. I didn't want to be the man that I was anymore. And these men that I called brothers who I loved dearly were attacking me in front of everyone. Um, and so the eight mile thing, man, that's what the way this tangent's going. It triggered me. So I'm like, well, fuck them. I'm going to do a video and I'm going to own all of it. So one of the very first videos I did on social media, I talked about my ice addiction. I talk about my um, having my finding intimacy with prostitutes, and so I just gave them nothing, gave them nothing to throw at me. And why I share that with you, the listeners, is because the everyone, not everyone's going to understand you, not everyone's going to understand your journey. But um, this is why men's work is really powerful, is because the through line for every single man that works on himself is that he just wants to become a better man. So for the people that don't understand that is they try and hold on to the past. And you'll notice every time they go to barbecues, you'll be still talking about how tough they were back in the footy days or the people they used to sleep with. Or remember, it was always living in the past and there's no ever conversations around the future. And so if, if this is resonating with you, just know that, um, that 
you can outgrow people um, and that there is a place for you within men's work, within a, like a men's team, whether it's our team, another team, but there is a place and it's getting more mainstream every single month, every single year that there is places for men to come and belong and work on yourself. I think that's a really important point in that the mainstream angle. When you talk about you know, men's work as a community or as a movement, this is no small movement. And I mean, for us players, you and I to be sitting here on the Sunshine Coast, you know, regional township, a couple of hundred thousand people, and the spiritual connections, the you know, the heavy hitting white collar business guys, it's the full spectrum that are getting into this level of, you know, personal development and work on themselves and their growth. It's it's incredible to see. So, yeah, this is hitting mainstream. It is, man. Now, I'm going to take this somewhere, and I know that, Maddie, you were going to talk about this in the moment around our intention of the MindFit Gym, um, but we, we, we spoke about when we bring this podcast to life that we want to uh, be as authentic and as real as possible. So there is a lot of men's movements out there, um, and one of the mainstream ones um, I have a bee in my bonnet about. So there's a really big men's movement who is masking a bravado as a men's movement and it was one of the biggest in Australia. So I'm like, cool. I saw it on 60 Minutes or whatever it was, so I went and joined their Facebook group. Now this group, to put a post in, you have to put a, sh- a photo of a half-naked woman in and then you can ask a question. Now, fucking that, that doesn't sit well with me. So for me... That isn't men's work. That is that macho bravado fucking culture wrapped up as charlatans and still portraying, like, like uh, what's the word? Like, um, like projectifying women and, and oogling of women. And it's, yeah. So why I say that is there is a men's space for you, but be really vigilant of making sure that's in line with your values as an individual. So, yeah. I think you've uh, you've really hit the nail on the head with that word values. Um, one thing that I'll always always be grateful for was yeah the one of the first things that we covered moving into MindFit Gym, which we'll get to in a second, um, was understanding your value system, and right. not only understanding it but living your value system, and you know. When I think of a world where everyone, not just men, but everyone can live within their own value system and make decisions that align with their values, man, how much better would this world be? Phenomenally. And I'm hearing from you guys, this is, it's sounding like a call to arms at the moment for getting around this, getting around, I said men's work generally, but particularly this podcast at the moment, call to arms for guys out there that want to understand themselves, understand that value set and be more of that. Yeah. Yeah, well, man. what is my the, uh, I'd like to just um, put the listeners that I told they had to wait five minutes. <laughs> I'd like to come back to that question that you asked too, Dave, around purpose and direction. Um, so I think, uh, well, 
The next question I'm going to ask is going to lead a little bit down into purpose and direction, but I want to segue back to what something that both of you gentlemen said around searching. So both of you men, when you started talking about like what got you into men's work, was this yearning and this searching. So with that search, um, I was yearning and searching as well. And so I just want to drop into the space. Why have we called this thing MindFit? Um, so I, I think that the listeners might be uh, wondering, like, what, what the fuck is MindFit? Because um, age 32, um, I, I got to that point of the search. I was like, I need some fucking help. I just relapsed. I blew myself out on ice. And I was like, did, like I just, I, I, seven years or something, I was clean. But I still hadn't had the capacity to, like, I, I relapsed. It went straight back to that habitual thing I knew, which was comfort and ice. And that was the very first time I went and sort of uh, talked to someone, which was the psychologist, and that opened this discussion of talking. Um, and that was around the same time that I met my now current wife. And so I cannot take any credit for the name MindFit. This, this name was something that my beautiful wife, Melinda Grinner, um, she taught me. And so she is a personal trainer uh, and the, um, she was a, uh, a young businesswoman of the, of the year here on the Sunshine Coast. And when we met, I had so much envy of her because she was living the life that I wanted to live. She was working for herself. She was fit, adventurous. Um, she was, uh, the time was on her side. She was picking and choosing when she was doing everything. Though when I started to see her personal training, I'm like, you're way beyond a personal trainer because there's one thing to teach people how to move their body, but there is another thing to ask powerful questions and get inside somebody's head and get inside somebody's psyche. And so that's what she calls, she used to call her, her stuff was mind fit. And I was like, man, I really resonate with this because it's not, yeah, man, like as men, we know if we want a big muscles, we go to the gym. But, and then the thing I, I came that search for me is, well, well, where the fuck do I go? I'm a tradie. I need some help and support. I'm fit, healthy, but my mind is the thing that's there. I'm like not, not strong. Saw a psychologist, amazing. And I started to talk about things. But then as a man, as a problem solver, I wanted to sink my teeth into something. I'm like, I really want to sink my teeth into something. That's when I found men's work. And I'm like, well, like both, all three of us just said we were searching. So this is literally why we call the MindFit. It's like we have a membership for those that don't know. And that's called the MindFit Gym. So that's the gym that men come to to strengthen their mindset around purpose, relationship, and and um, fatherhood. And so that's why we call it MindFit is to strengthen um, to strengthen that mindset. Uh, though, I just want to ask both of you, Matt, because we've been in each other's vortex now for four plus years um, and we've been sitting in circle for that long together. We know so much about each other and I'd love to ask you, that. I know this is um, off the whim, but the, both you, Matt, what do you feel it means to be mindset? For me, what's jumping out is truth and clarity. So there was a, a point, I gave a speech at an event in Sydney, uh, going back about 18 months now, where I had the opportunity to get up and, and talk really honestly about who I was and um, 
you know, what, what was hard for me and some of the relationships in my life in a public setting and own some stuff that I had before. And in that process, it gave me a lot of clarity as to who I was and where I was heading. And again, coming back to that eight mile example, it was a, a matter of like, I can put some truths out here that are now out in the public domain uh, about me, set some standards that I can live up to. Uh, and you know, here's some challenges as well from you know, for the market, customers, and clients, and family. There was some challenge in that, but that for me gave gave birth to a, a sense of stability and clarity and direction that felt might fit. I'm clearer on who I am. I'm clear on where I'm heading, and I'm going to be a better family man, a better resource for those guys around me, a better mate, a better brother. Uh, so it encompasses all of that. You're right. It's not not just the physical fitness. It's not just the spiritual fitness. It's not just the emotional fitness. It's, I think, for me, the umbrella over the whole lot. Right. Beautiful, man. It's beautiful, man. I think with uh, with me, touches back on. Um... <laughs> Oh, and do you know what that was? It, that was a, an alarm for our meeting <laughs> that I haven't moved. Oh, there we go. I believe that's a carton. Yeah. Are there... <laughs> I'm not an alcoholic beers. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. <sighs> okay. I think for uh, for me, MindFit um, touches back on that idea of that question that changed everything for me of, of wanting to know what was going on in my head. And, um, naturally that, that led down some avenues like CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy. Uh, it landed on NLP, neuro-linguistic programming and, um, all these beautiful things that make us, um, you know, question our self-limiting beliefs, which is a huge one. Um, and just question that, that voice in your head, uh, which I only found out a couple of weeks ago that not everyone has. Not everyone has a, uh, a voice running in their head, which is, I found very fascinating. But uh, for me, yeah, there was definitely that, um, that notion of, of strengthening my, my core values and how I think, how I behave, um, and how I function as a human being, just from a from a friendship level, from a relationship level, from a son to a brother, to everything. Um, yeah. Beautiful, man. It's uh, it sounds like being mind fit. You can't really think it. You have to feel it. Absolutely. It, it, like you, we can't think our ways through things. Um, and I think that's a beautiful way that we teach men's work then with what we do is it's we logically learn it put it into the body and then we go take action um because it's really important um because there's what i see within the men's work space within the personal development space there's these personal development junkies these people that have read all the books they've done all the retreats they've done all the courses but they're still miserable as fuck because they're missing the things like they've got all of the knowledge and they're learning, 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 but it just stays up there. And so this, I, I really, we're, we're going to um, hopefully go and start talking about our attention, this podcast very shortly. Uh, but I'd just like to put in a space that if you continually listen to this podcast, um, there's going to be so many invitations that myself, Maddie and Dave give, and the guest speakers give you and to go sink your teeth into and actually go try this stuff that we're talking about in real life. It may not work. And if it doesn't, fucking let us know because we're not a dictatorship. 
Um, but like, if it does work, it, the, the only way it's going to work is that actually, if you take on board this stuff that we're talking about or, and challenging people or giving advice to and actually go try it out for yourself. Um, and so it's, yeah, like logically learn it, put it into your body. And the reason to put it into your body is because it's the, it's, with nearly everything in life is not the thing that we desire is the feeling that that thing does. Uh, we, it's the feeling that thing gives us that we desire. And so through that feeling and that new, maybe uncomfortable, that new thing that we're trying, um, that's when the embodiment starts. That's when the change starts to happen. Um, and so maybe want to um, ask you and then continue this uh, conversation, man, around like what we're up to here, man. Uh, why did we join forces and, and, and decide between the three of us, um, like we need to get a podcast going and, and get some, get some um, more more leverage and getting this message out to the to, to the masses to you know, talk to them more about our attention and our purpose of of the mindful podcast yeah absolutely um i think to to sum it up in its simplest form um and this is in alignment with um you know our vision and and our belief and our values is that we want to activate a generation of men and um you know we really want to let men know that that there is a place that they can they can talk about their feelings and be be heard, seen, feel safe, uh, and have that beautiful outlet. Um, I know with every single man I've spoken to within men's space, each and every single one of them have said the or have highlighted the importance of having a space like this. And you look at some incredibly successful people out there, uh, not just men or women, but people that have a community where they can be seen, where they can be heard, where they do feel safe. You know, it's a, it's a proven thing. It's something that I, I truly believe every human should have. Uh, so the purpose of this podcast is to, yeah, bring awareness. And, you know, we're, we're going to talk about concepts and ideas that are regularly spoken in men's circles and the idea being that we want to try and mimic a men's circle as, as best we can in pod in podcast format um where everyone is equal uh everyone has a say everyone's opinion is is valued and sometimes we'll have different opinions or opposing opinions and um it's a it's an open discussion We'll often invite people to um, join in on the discussion or um, try out some things um, that we regularly talk about with inside of MindFit Gym HQ. And yeah, I think um, I think that about sums it up. Is there anything else you two want to add to that, Maddie? I think you, there's a word in there that you hit as part of that purpose statement. You know, activate a generation of men. And, and that activation for me is a really important one because there's two things that jump out of that. There's activation in helping people take action. And as you said, it's one man rises, we all rise, we're doing this as a group. So this is as much for us as it is the community. We're going to take action on some really cool stuff. And the other definition that's jumping out for me is that idea of setting a light or lighting a fire underneath. So I'm looking forward with this podcast to setting fire to a number of concepts and cool conversations and getting some really interesting characters uh, sitting opposite us at the desk 
to have some amazing conversations about how you know, they're activating in the world and get that information out to us, our community, brotherhood and listeners, which in what I'm sure will be all over the world as this thing grows. Uh, I think we're going to help ourselves and others play a much, much bigger game with every step we take with you know, with this adventure. Uh, and I think we're going to really go there and, and go there, meaning go deep, go serious, get into some you know, some pretty heady topics over the, the coming months and years. So looking forward to, just want to say, looking forward to walking this path with the two of you and every man out there and their partners and everyone in their lives that's going to get on board the, the journey and go uh, go big from here. Fuck yes to all of that. And um, just to live in alignment with what you're saying, um, this is nothing that we've spoken about before we like did the notes. So I'd like to like talk about something, um, a, a topic, if you don't mind, man. Um, and it, it ties back into everything that we're saying, but the, the word is legacy. And so we're looking at this activating a generation of men. And so, like, why the fuck? What does that really mean at its core? Like, we know what it means because, like, I could definitely say that I've been activated. Um, now, if I look back to who I used to be, and I don't want to speak about, I shall will. And so, this is a big generalization, but I think that where the world is right now, across the planet, that men, as a generalization, are people pleasers. Just a bunch of nice guys, yes men, that aren't standing in their truth, that are standing in their values, that avoid conflict, that aren't chasing their dream, that they live in the fucking matrix, and they're just succumbing to like, oh, this is what life is. And so many men have their head buried and just in fucking survival mode. Now, to me, that's not activated. That's fucking men grinding, Groundhog Day, and never ever putting their head up and just getting to the crossroads and asking for change. So for me, I think activating is the more openly and transparently and vulnerably and rawly and more accessible we can make these conversations for men to listen to could be that thing to activate them to stick their head up out of survival mode and ask that question of themselves, who the fuck am I and what am I supposed to be doing here? Which I feel then ties back into legacy. So I want to talk about legacy and I'm going to take it on a bit of a spiritual route because this is my belief, and I'd love to hear your belief and take on this too, man, is that I believe that the 7.7 billion souls on this planet all chose to be here for a reason. Now, I understand that I feel that why I got to, uh, chose to come through this time around, because I believe in reincarnation, is that I chose, my soul chose to come this side to be part of this men's, men's work movement. I believe that men's work is going to be a bigger movement than the feminist movement. And the feminist movement was amazing. Men, uh, women needed to rise up. They needed to like to, to claim back what was theirs. Though they're doing it for themselves. Whereas men's work, where I feel the other, that the is like, yes, we men, we're working on ourselves for ourselves, but for the sake of our family, our community, and humanity. Now, the... Um, a lot of men, uh, before they enter our space, a, a lot of men, um, and there's people I talk to with the circles that we run and everything, they don't view themselves as leaders. And I just politely remind them that just being in this conversation, if you are listening to this podcast and it's six years, 10 years, 
since we like did this podcast and you talk about listening to this podcast to your children, you are breaking the stereotypes and stigmas of what it means to be a man. How do men show up? It's comfortable to talk about our emotions and be raw and vulnerable and challenge each other and not step over each other with greed and power that we can live simultaneously. And so I just want to really echo that feeling of, hello, sweetheart. Speaking of legacy. So uh, for the listeners, I've got my, um, if, you, if you're tuning in with Ohio, um, my beautiful daughter, our beautiful daughter, Ocean, Ocean Mahin, she's come in. Uh, she's two years old and she's just having a really hard time. And um, while I have my daughter in my arms, it's, uh, for those that don't know, but uh, we have three children, two boys and a girl. And uh, I definitely realized like being a, a father of two boys is like that fatherhood role of like raising boys and doing men's work was really important. But then once um, I had this daughter, it changed the game for me. I was like, man, to really be that man that uh, she can feel safe with. I think that's a, another beautiful topic around uh, protecting the feminine and lead and providing for the feminine. Um, and uh, yeah, man. Um, so I'd love to, love to hear uh, your guys take uh, Maddie and Dave around legacy, uh, mission, purpose, um, I'd uh, love to hear your take too about um, uh, spirituality and what's your thing, what's your thoughts on reincarnation and um, and what I mentioned about the seven point seven billion souls on this planet. Cool. Um, I'll jump in there. Um, so I am. I would classify myself as someone who is open to spirituality, but not necessarily a deep believer in that. There are certain things in my life that I can't explain, um, which one would usually denote to spirituality. Um, but yeah, I think I'm on a I'm on a path of of open mindedness with that. Touching on um, on legacy, um, I don't have any kids. I don't know if I will have kids, but legacy for me is this. It comes back to the um, to my friends that committed suicide. You know, unfortunately, there is tragedy exists in this world, and for someone who is you know seventeen, eighteen, nineteen years old to take their life, uh, or younger, even or older, anyone to take their life, um, it just shouldn't happen like that. And with the work that we do, if we can stop one person from doing that. That's one more person that can smile, that can be with their family, their loved ones. That's one more person that they can wake up and hug another human. And that to me is a win. That to me is a huge win. And yeah, I think legacy is is making this mainstream and, and making it okay for men to open up with one another and talk about their emotions and you know, chip away at this toxic masculinity that um, plagues plagues society and doesn't really serve a purpose. Um, at least that's my opinion. Yeah. What about you, Dave? What's your take on all that? I'm drawing a line down the page at the moment between spirituality and organized religion. 
and it's not to turn yeah. today into a, a theological debate at all. But I grew up in a household that was big on organized religion. And I realized at a young age, the spiritual questions that I had were not answered from a religious lens. And that's just a consideration I've carried through over the years. So I've seen a lot in and around the men's workspace, and we'll certainly on future episodes dive into to some of this, things that I can't explain in and around men's work, some of the characters that we've met, some of the journeys we've been on and paths that we've walked. And I think there are spiritual answers to those questions. Uh, that again, that, that organized religion for me could, couldn't pick up. So it's been, uh, for me, diving into the unanswered, diving into understanding self and life and some of those bigger questions that we have all, speaking for everyone, asked ourselves at two o'clock in the morning, staring up at the stars. That's it's an, a beautiful open space to dive into. I think legacy for me talks to impact. And uh, again, I hit on blaze with you with, with Ocean and now I've got three daughters. Uh, I, I grew up in a you know, very masculine environment where mum was the only, you know, the only feminine personality in, in the house. Uh, and getting around that feminine now, not really knowing for a long time what to do with that and what sort of impact I could have as a man in that space. So legacy for me certainly has that family channel, but impact in the, you know, in the wider community. I think, maybe to your point, if we can alter lives, if we can change conversations, and, and this has come home to roost so many times over the last couple of years being involved in this space, that the conversation that we have, the guy that we tap on the shoulder, uh, the comment that we make, the question we ask, the mere fact that we've bothered to open up a space, we have no way of telling what will happen for that individual or ourselves beyond that. So I think it's our responsibility from a legacy perspective to keep doing that. And, and that for me is a big part of this podcast as well. Starting those conversations, opening up the space and you know, seeing where it all goes for everyone that we have an opportunity to touch. Yeah, man. And I'd just like to bounce off what you just said too, Dave, that just every conversation, we don't know how it's going to impact and the ripple that's going to have on that individual. Now, um, I, I, will speak openly that I definitely want to fucking change the world. I, I, I want to make, I, I want to like really put a big dent in this though. Looking at that objectively, that's going to be a fucking huge thing to activate a generation of men. It's like, that's massive. Like that's almost like monumental that it can't happen. But our understanding through the work that we do is that's an inside out game. And so by changing the world, it's not about changing the external world. It's about changing the inner world, the inner dialogue for each individual. And so 7.7 billion people could change the conversation for themselves. I think that's how we're going to change the external environment. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's the, the biggest, the greatest gift that we could give these little ones, uh, the, uh, the humanity, uh, the, the, the biggest gift that we could leave as a legacy is that we went on that inner journey and we changed and and we were we were the pioneers in our ancestry in our lineage so in native american culture they say that seven generations ago someone in your lineage prayed for you to be here right now and so that's what we're up to right now is the way that we lead and live our life that this is our life can be become a prayer like words with intention actions with intention and we could be the per people in our lineage, the men in our lineage, to change the conversation and narrative around masculinity and uh, what you just said before, money around toxic masculinity and change that narrative. Uh, we could be that men in our lineage. 
Yeah, that's really beautiful, man. And, you know, with everything that we've we've talked about today and with everything we will talk about on this podcast, um, I'm really looking forward to digging into these these topics and, and getting much deeper into them and exploring them uh, with, it, with each of us and all of the beautiful guests we're going to have here as well. Mm. I'm not sure if we have already, Maddie, but I definitely in the very few, uh, next episodes want to talk about toxic masculinity because yeah, there. I feel um, it's a really juicy topic. Um, and it's a really, I feel it's a really big buzzword, this toxic masculinity. Um, but I don't believe masculinity is toxic. So I have a belief, whereas there's a lot of different viewpoints around this. And I really love to have an open debate and discussion around this. Um, so yeah, man, just uh, food for thought. And then that's a little seed planter for all the listeners that we will get to that. And we'll have a, a juicy another podcast as well. Um, oh, Geez, he's on fire. Is. First podcast, is. two alarms. A lot is going on, Mr. Grinner. <laughs> Got so much um, on his plate, so many lives to change. <laughs> That's it. Um, ben, I'd love to ask you a personal question. Um, and as, with, with men's work, it's like, what's been your greatest challenge that you have all the the greatest piece of adversity. So set, since you beat guys have been in men's work now for many years, um, what's been the the most challenging thing that you've ever had to face off with? Is it too cliched to say myself? Um, oh, I talk talk to me more. I, about I can't yourself, remember. Yeah, I'll, I'll go back to and, and this was one of my early interactions with you personally, Blaze, and, and the men's workspace. But uh, coming out of a very, you know, very structured white-collar existence where the rules of the game were pretty well set out, uh, you know, I knew what I had to do to get to where I was going, and that was the whole you know, kind of preset vision thing. Uh, I can remember sitting on a beach on the Sunshine Coast with you out of what was one of my first breathwork sessions. And, you know, Really being in that space uh, of you know the, the breath work, deep breath work can get you into. And I remember coming out of that in just this state of absolute despair and misery, and bawling my eyes out. And one of the strongest memories that I've got is you actually picking me up this giant bear hug, and and just just kind of yeah, you know, mate, you got this. Hold together, just working through that process. And for me, that was one of the first times of actually letting go. And realizing how much stuff and how many years of just torment and trauma and yeah, everything else that we bottle up as men was was sitting within me, and finding that point of release in a uh, you know, a healthy way, sitting with that in the days past, it, it was then coming to terms with, I don't know me, like you know who is this guy that went down that path? Where did that come from? And it started that conversation and, and journey, but started from a place of uncertainty and doubt and questioning everything that I knew about myself and masculinity and the space I was in and where my life was going. So I think to, to answer the question on challenge, it was that. It was, yeah, now the fucking lid's off the box. What do I do with this? <laughs> Years have passed and that's been a really exciting journey. But in that moment, oh, that was scary. Man. Mm. Beautiful, man. How about you, Maddie? I want to say the whole thing. I don't think, like, if this was an easy process to do, 
I think everyone would be doing it. And I think for me personally, one of the things that really comes to my attention first is getting comfortable with the uncomfortable and just how challenging that can be. Um, and that can translate itself in so many different ways. I know that we, you know, I, I was definitely a person that read all the self-help, self-help books and consumed all the content, but never did the work because I was too afraid of what I might find. And, um, just taking that leap of faith, taking that, that investment into myself, um, that was really fucking hard. That was really fucking hard. And then everything that comes with that, man, like facing off on the ugly sides of yourself is never an easy thing to do. But coming out the other side of that is one of the most rewarding things I think anyone can ever go through. And so, yeah, I think there's not really one specific thing for me. I think it's the whole journey and, and yeah, just getting comfortable with that uncomfortableness and, and going to places where your mind is screaming not to go and trusting in yourself that, um, that you'll be okay, that you'll be okay. You'll be held, you'll be safe and that there's a learning opportunity here for you. What did uh, you just, I think you, Maddie, this really, so- You got it. I think, Maddie, there's a really important thing you nudged on there as well. Like all three of us have spoken to Journey, and I want to start this particular journey off with this podcast by taking the three of us down off the pedestal. That little example was we are three good dudes in a community of really good dudes that are sitting and backing us and walking with us that are still walking this path. We're not there. This thing doesn't end. No. We, you know, we are taking the steps every day getting better at this getting better at facing off with ourselves facing off with everything that we have to in life uh, and certainly here to support but uh, yeah by no means do we have all the answers i think that was just a little learning i took out of what we were talking about there 100 percent, 100 percent. um the question i was going to ask you maddie was um and this is something that came up for me and you said too bro and i've had several men say it to me as well I'd love to ask you, you said, I was scared of what I'd find. I want to know, are you able to articulate what you're actually scared of? What you, yeah, the you, unknown. you perceive to be scared of? Yeah, the unknown. the unknown. Of I am so used to the comforts of avoidance, of vices, of, sorry, let me reframe. I was so used, so used to the comforts and and the safety net that 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 offers you um and just going into that unknown was frightening scary a sense of like isolation that i would be doing this and i'm i'm hanging over a cliff's edge with no support harness with you know oh my god there's a high chance that i'm gonna die here (laughs) you know (laughs) And then it's like you do the work and it's just like, oh, yeah, sometimes I can be a bit of a shitty person. I've now learned that I have anger issues that I need to control or whatever it might be, you know, and it's just it's never as bad as what you think it is ever. At least that's been my experience. Mine too. Yeah. Um, So for the listeners, 
there's this fear of scared of what I'd find, which was the unknown. And so now you've been in men's work means that you hit up against that edge more and more and more of like, fuck, I'm scared to go out here. I'm scared of like the unknown of like this uncomfortable. How do you get yourself over that edge now? Is there a tool that you could offer or some piece of advice that you could offer the listeners of like, how do you get past that, that scared of what you would find? It's all scared of the unknown. The first word that comes to my head is trusting yourself. Just uh, knowing uh, that, you know, I touched on it just, just a moment ago. That it's, it's not as bad as what you think it is. Your brain has this incredible coping mechanism of amplifying an idea, whether that's good or bad. You know, you often hear people having these big audacious goals and it's massive or you have things that it might be like oh wow my girlfriend didn't message me back and oh she's going to break up with me and oh my god everything's going to shit and so our brain has this incredible yeah mechanism of of distorting the facts and i think that trusting in yourself and knowing that whatever happens you'll be able to navigate it now, it's not to say that it's going to be easy, it's going to be good or anything like that. It most likely is going to be daunting and scary and, you know, um, you might be unsure as to what to do and that's a perfect place to put your hand up. You also don't need to have all the answers all the time. You know, lean into uh. support, lean into the assets that you have available to you. Um, no one person has gotten to success on their own. With that, um, with that trust, so I'd just like to ask both you gentlemen this question. Um, so I put a post up the other day and it was the, the one that has got the most comments that I've ever put up in all the years of my social media. And it was a general question and 98% of the people agreed with it. And the question was, why, have, why do men not trust other men in this generation? So why do have men lost trust in men? And I'd love to, because um, I know that the three of us can see that uh, plain, in plain sight. Um, though, why I want to ask that question is if if a man is feeling like, oh, I'm scared of what I'm going to find, and we're telling them, hey, you just got to trust yourself. Like, how is he going to be able to trust himself if he can't even look and trust the people that are beside him? And so um, just want to ask you, why do you think men have lost trust in men? For me, I think it's a fear of vulnerability. It's that I need to keep my armor up. I need to, yeah, not dis display those um, deeper emotions that naturally build trust. I want to take a bit of a different tack on that one. It's an incredible question. I think there's some things that are instilled in us as well, particularly men of this generation and the one from, you know, before us. Because leading out of things like the industrial age and changing workforce, uh, you know, post-World War II and, and in that space, we were generations of men predominantly raised by women. Dad was away working. He'd disappear early in the morning. We're lucky to see him of an evening, if at all, maybe on the weekend for a bit. You've then got aspects of the, you know, kids are to be seen and not heard, 
uh, and, and, and that kind of thing as well factored into it. So I think for us around this age group and yeah, and again, yeah, into the, the baby boom space as well, the dynamic growing up was different. There's a shift happening now. There's more open conversations happening now. I, I can see the change in trust coming, but there's a lot of inbuilt uh, internal practice that we've got to overcome that doesn't come naturally. When used to facing off with mum and not having strong, you know, male role models uh, in our lives. I know that's not everyone, but certainly, you know, my experience in uh, in the space and having a conversation with my dad around it, and he didn't know how to show up as a father any differently than what he did. And uh, yeah, so there's some generational things that are tapping into this as well. Uh, we've got a lot of work to do as a society and as a community to enhance opportunities for trust. Uh, but it's going to come down to those one-to-one interactions. And I think, as both of you have said, the, the first one to get over is trust thyself. Yeah, man. The um, other thing that you just triggered something too is I remember when I had my spiritual awakening, how fucking angry I was that everyone had fucking lied to me. Everyone. Schooling systems, the government systems, my parents. They had it all back the front and it all wrong. And so with that anger, it literally came from distrust. And so if we, I know that uh, we're breaking in this paradigm now, but if we look at the societal, what it means to be a man, what does success mean to go to uni, like go, go to uni, get a good job, save some money, buy a house, put a white picket fence around it, have the, get the, get the girl, marry her, have some kids, life's done. And then there's and millions of fucking men. And then you'll be happy. And there's millions of men that are in that space and wondering, I'm still miserable. Like, this is what everyone's told me that this is what it means to be a man. So then if like that's what society's portrayed for us, we get there and then it's hollowless, bottomless pit. That's going to also cause distrust as well. Like, I can't trust. Who do I I trust? I can't trust anyone. Um, And I think... And this is this will be a, a rabbit hole podcast, but the the elites and like and the government systems have like a, a massive reason for that. Like, why do they suck everyone into that kind of life? Control. Um, so yeah, we won't go too far down that one just yet. <laughs> that could be another one for anyone. Um, the what I found too. Spoiler alert for another day. Yeah, hundred percent. The um. I was the same. I lost all the trust in my childhood mates um, for when they attacked me on social media, kept men at arms bay, um, the the people that stole and cheated on me and the just to see that my dad wasn't reliable and that kind of stuff. We see left when I was seven. Um, I'd built all these beliefs. And and like you're saying, Maddie, about just trusting myself. Now, the way that I was able to cultivate the trust within myself and like I really feel that I'm unapologetically myself right now, even though like there's days that like, depression can come back in, that kind of stuff. I have tools for the brotherhood to lean on. The way that I was able to cultivate the trust within myself to not be scared of the unknown and trust the divine path in front of me, that kind of stuff, was I got it mirrored to me by the trust of brotherhood. And so joining my first men's circle, my first men's space, where I was able just to be me, to be vulnerable. No one put me down. No one judged me. Um, that I was welcomed with open arms. I'm like, oh, I can trust this. This is a good feeling. This is a feeling that I remember. Maybe not since I was like three years old, even maybe two years old, 
but this this feeling of trusting and belonging to this this community it felt wholesome and so the more that i was able to go cultivate the trust with the brotherhood the more confident i got with the brotherhood the more brave that i got to step further and further and further into the uncomfortable into the conversation into that stuff that i'd buried in the rug for fucking decades um, but yeah, it started with finding that trust through brotherhood and seeing that, seeing that and feeling that trust and that strength in numbers. There's that age old saying, if you want to go fast, go it alone, but if you want to go far, you go it together. And I think this is what men's work's doing right now for the human race. Yeah, hundred percent. And I actually have a, a, an incomplete with, uh, with that as well. Um, I feel a massive component of trust is self-love trusting yourself is is self-love and um i know that that's going to be its own specific podcast down the line and a topic and um i I truly believe that everyone can do better when it comes to self-love but um i think in the absence of that how can one trust themselves if you don't even love yourself you know and yeah, that's my incomplete. Yeah, man, that's a juicy one. The um, yeah, the the snowball effect. I know that we talk about in MyFitMHQ this all the time about the one percenters. So saying that we're going to do something could be like, "Hey, honey, I'm going to be five minutes. So I'll I'll come out." Or, "Hey, yes, I'll pick the kids up at three p.m. and we pick them up at three fifteen. So we're not our work." And all of these little, little things just chip and chip and chip away at the ego or the subconscious. And what they do is if we keep not being our word in those little one percenters, we build up the belief. Well, we, we subconsciously build up the belief that we're unreliable. We can't trust ourselves. But the external environment is reflective of how we're actually feeling in our subconscious. So wifey can't trust us. Friends and family don't trust us. The feedback keeps coming. The snowball happens. And then when that happens... Men, as a generalization, don't know how to be with that conflict, don't know how to be cultivating self-love. So what do we do? Go eat shit, go drink beer, go watch a footy, numb out, watch porn, jack off, whatever it is, and the snowball just keeps repeating. And then we left in this conversation again of like, this is why we're here activating generation men. So we don't get any snowballs anymore in survival. Yeah, 100%. Well, I think that might be a uh, good spot to start winding down. Uh, does yeah. anyone else have any incompletes with anything we covered today? I think we've opened up some beautiful conversations and look forward to seeing where this goes from here. And as, as we close out today, what is coming up for the coming weeks and coming podcast episodes, gentlemen? So we'll be, uh, we will be touching on toxic uh, masculinity and relationships and navigating conflicts, um, fatherhood, vulnerability and communication, trauma, a bit of everything really. Beautiful. For our listeners too, uh, if there's a topic that you'd like us to jam on, um, like please leave it in the comments on all the channels um, because if, uh, as Maddie has mentioned, we're going to run this podcast like a men's circle. So there's going to be, uh, the three of us spearheading the, the show. We're going to bring all of the members inside the membership in. We're going to bring guest speakers. We'll bring people that we uh, are mentors of ours and really interesting people and, um, that are going to be in the space to to just keep enlightening us on all of these on these topics. And the uh, one phrase I'd like to drop in 
uh, before we head off. Um, it's a bit of a tagline um, uh, of out of your head into your heart. And now this this phrase, uh, one of my very first mentors, Jedi Azuma, if you guys uh, want to look this dude up, he's like the the real life Yoda. Uh, he just turned 30, I think he's like just turned 34, 35. But he's so wise but above his years. He's in America. He's got the Rising Man movement, Rising Man podcast. Um, incredible human being. And he was the one that told me um, that uh, the longest journey of a man's life is only 18 inches, which is from his head to his heart. And so we've got that tagline, getting out of your head and into your heart. So this is what we're up to right now. Um, and so what I'd like to ask you gentlemen, what's been the greatest tool, quote, piece of advice that you've gotten, received, embodied, that is taking you on that longest journey of your life? that got you out of your head and allowed you to actually come into your heart space, into your heart. There's so many. Um, Go three then. Well, for me, there's there's a, a tool that I use um, on my bad days and it's the, it's a I call it the 1% rule. And if I can do something that aligns with my values, you know, or something that can bring me joy. If I can be 1% better than what I was the day before, I'm 1% better. And my focus just becomes stacking that. Uh, That has gotten me out of some really dark places. And um, still to this day, I use it and I use it religiously. I will go the, the full three. There's, one that's always stuck with me. Uh, I remember mentioning to you, Blows, actually on my first bloke's venture trip away with you some years ago. It was a comment my dad made to me. He said, uh, mate, it's important to make good decisions in life. The first one you need to make is to choose your parents wisely. So it's, uh, it's stuck with you. Know, rattled my brain for a little while, but it's, it's uh, something that's carried me through a lot of years. I think there's also one that Matt already mentioned today, which is getting comfortable in the uncomfortable. That's where all the growth is. That's where the fun stuff happens. That's where the cool shit really starts to open up. And then finally for me, it's one that both of you have added on a number of occasions. It's uh, one man rises, we all rise. That's a a great thing that I'm looking forward to with this particular medium is getting a few interesting characters on here and hearing their stories and what they've done to, to take that step forward and then out to the listener base. As Blaze said, jump in, share your wins. We hear them, we're right behind you. We'll celebrate you. You win, we win. Yeah, 100%. I'm glad that we said three because I was having a real hard time to narrow what just one. Um, for me, this phrase, and it's a cliche one, but this too shall pass. Just reminding myself mm. of these moments when I'm just in it. It's like this too shall pass. Um, and like, and the, I used to only do that with adverse moments, but then remind myself in like the beautiful high moments that this too shall pass because that was uh, it was to my detriment because I used to try and hang on to those highs for as long as I could. Stay up, have more gear, uh, have more people around and just hang and hang and hang and hang. And then when it went away, it, the crash was just like, man, it was insane. So that this too shall pass. Um, the byproduct of that one, and this one is, um, 
Preston taught Preston Smiles, and I've dropped his name a couple of times. He's the man that told me this. Um, and in moments of despair, this one is this loud in my ear all the time. And this phrase is, this is happening for me, not to me. So a lot of the time when um, life is lifing and it's hard and it's challenging, um, that if I can remind myself like, like this is happening for me, what's the lesson? What am I missing? What, like this is happening for me. It can take the pressure off that moment knowing that this is just one of those moments that is like cultivating character, that is like this sharpening me out of stone and cultivating and modeling me into being a better man, better human. Um, and then lastly, uh, Mr. Azuma, uh, Jedi Azuma. And so a lot of time when I was like stuck up in the head um, and one of the, the roles that I play or hats that I wear that causes me the most amount of guilt is fatherhood. And this phrase that Jedi gave me allowed me to get back into my heart. And so Jedi's got a really beautiful Yoda way of using humor. But he just gently reminded me that um, I wasn't going to be the world's first perfect father. And it just like, just diffused everything. And it's like, ah, oh, here I am aspiring to be that. Over all the billions of people that lived before me, <laughs> that I wasn't going to be the first one. And that allowed me to soften back into that heart space and just be a little bit more gentle on myself. Um, so, yeah. Beautiful, man. All right. Well, with that, I feel complete. Aho. 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 And so for the listeners that are here, thank you for tuning in to the very first uh, Virgin, Virgin podcast, uh, ripping the band-aid off of us three. Uh, we got there. It was a little bit clunky. It, um, it, we fondled a little bit. We found the spot <laughs> and we made it. Um, so if you're still here, like, subscribe to all of our channels so you get all the updates live uh, and stay in contact with us. Uh, like always, uh, leave a comment. And so for us, we, we talk about comments as the footprints of like, as we have mentioned and Dave um, reiterated that this, this, this life is a journey and men's work is a journey. And so you leaving comments on any of the platforms, uh, you're leaving footprints for the men or the women that are going to come um, beside you, not behind you, but they're just coming along the path um, like after you. And so by leaving comments and footprints you can uh, of your insights, your takeaways, what you got from this, if you have, are you going to go try and uh, uh, something that we've given you or a piece of advice coming back and then just like, hey man, I tried that thing on episode up, rah, 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 fuck it worked or it didn't. Like leave footprints so that other people can walk that path behind you as well. So really encourage to, for you to leave comments, which we call fit footprints. And it means well to us and just knowing that uh, you leaving a footprint is going to be part of the legacy that we are creating of activating a generation of men. Oh. Oh.